0: No, 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 no. welcome to monsters among us i'm your guide Derek hayes hello folks i want to start off with a quick apology the show is a day late and for that i am sorry but my columbus blue jackets began their playoff run last night and i just had to finish the game by the time it was over i didn't have time to get everything out so you're hearing it a day late and for that i am sorry but we won and that's all that really matters I have one hell of a show lined up for you guys this evening, an episode filled with ghost, ghouls, and other creepy things that start with the letter G. So without further hesitation, what do you say we get into it? Actually, I lied. I want to share something with you guys real fast before we start. I know I talk about CryptoCrate all the time, and you guys are probably sick of it, but I wanted to let everyone know that I'm doing a little spring cleaning, and that means I need to get rid of some of my back stock. So for a limited time, all past crates are only thirty-three ninety-nine, and that includes shipping to the U.S. Now keep in mind, most of these boxes have a value of over $70. So head on over to www.cryptocrate.etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y, and pick up one or two or three today. There will also be a link in tonight's show notes. Now, before we play the first call of the night, I wanted to update everyone on last week's final call. If you remember, Mickey called in to share her story about something or someone pounding rocks on the side of her semi-truck as she slept inside. Something Mickey theorized to be a Sasquatch. Well, last night I received an email from her answering a few of my questions. Here is her reply. I wanted to let you know that there were definitely dents. Big ones. I was lucky my boss never asked about them. There were six of them, grouped pretty close together. It was creepy, actually, kind of like he knew exactly where my head was. Next morning, I found three river rocks, good size, probably eight inches or so in diameter, and a large chunk of ice. They were 15 to 20 feet from the truck in different directions, like they had bounced off. I thought he may have used a rock more than once, or if it was an ice chunk, it had broken apart on impact. A truck idles pretty loud, so I didn't hear anything other than the rocks hitting. So, there you have it. Thank you, Mickey, for that additional information. Okay, so our first call of the evening has a bit of a familiar tone to it. The following is Natalie's call from the state of California.
1: Hi, Derek. This is Natalie. Um, I'm from Southern California, and I'm calling in with a story that isn't mine, um, but one that I was told often throughout the years by my best friend in high school. I thought of this story after listening to an episode where a caller had seen a creature, I believe it was a, a monkey or, or a velociraptor, something like that, in their bedroom. And they had mentioned that their mom or dad, I forget which, practiced white magic. Well, my best friend in high school, Melanie, also had a mom that practiced magic when she was little. She often told me about two things that had happened to her when she was around eight um, that were just totally inexplicable. And she was around eight in the early 90s. Now, I know she wasn't lying or exaggerating because we were so close at the time and I could see the honesty in her eyes. But whether or not you can just chalk up the experiences to a child's imagination is anyone's guess. Well, in one instance, Melanie was awake in bed, and she saw a big green vine appear before her eyes and extend across the room as if it was rapidly growing. Uh, She said that the vine was radiant and sparkling, but somehow ominous. And whenever Melanie told me this story about seeing this vine appear in her bedroom, I could see the fear and hesitancy in her eyes, as if, you know, she knew I would think she was crazy. But when, as a child, she had tried to investigate the vine that had seemingly grown from her bedroom walls, it disappeared. In another instance, Melanie was also in bed when she saw her two dolls on a nearby shelf start to dance. Now, these were just regular run-of-the-mill dolls any little girl would have. They were not animatronic or electric in any way, but Melanie saw them embrace each other and begin to waltz on the shelf as if they were suddenly alive. Again, she was paralyzed by fear at the time, but when she began to walk over towards them, the dancing stopped. I never asked Melanie's mother about these particular instances, but I did ask her why she stopped practicing magic, and she said, I didn't want to open any more doors. I still don't quite know what that means, but I can only imagine opening doors were to blame for Melanie's other worldly experiences. So I'd love to hear if any other caller has a similar story about white magic and things that just aren't there. I love the podcast. Keep up
0: the good work. Thank you, Natalie. As I mentioned in the lead-in, the theme in this call is quite recognizable. Over the past couple years, I've received several stories detailing strange-looking and sometimes very familiar characters. The most obscure probably being that of a chimpanzee wearing overalls. As I stated when those particular calls came in, I have only educated guesses as to what these nighttime visitors could be. Ideas ranging from sleep paralysis and nightmares to pure imagination and even alien abductors. One thing I do find curious in all these accounts is the wide array of forms whoever or whatever it is takes when they visit these unfortunate children. Thank you, Natalie, for taking the time to share your story. Next up, we head across the country. This is an anonymous submission from the State of New York.
2: I grew up in a small town in Southern Tier, New York. It was around July in the early 90s. My best friend lived about a mile from me. It was dirt roads. And one day we decided, when our parents left for work, that I would sneak my 22 mag rifle out and walk to his house, and we would go woodchuck hunting in his fields. I've been in the woods my whole life, playing in them, exploring them, so I've seen every possible animal. On this day, I started up the road, deciding to cut in the woods so no one would see me. I came to the first field at the edge of the woods, started toward the hedgerow between it and the next, and when I made it to the hedgerow, and I was about to cross the fence, I seen something move at the wood line. I was curious because it looked large, and I looked at it through the scope, thinking to see a deer. I was shocked when I seen a very large, tan cat. I've heard of supposed mountain lions that lived on the hill, but this wasn't a mountain lion. It was a little taller, much more built. It was tan in color, but seemed to have a pattern on its back that was a darker shade. The front of this cat seemed to be more built than the rear, and fur was slightly longer around the front shoulder area. I don't know what possessed me to do this, but I fired a shot above it. I could see the branches in the pine trees fall, and normally, an animal runs away from a gunshot. This cat stopped, turned in my direction, looking, then sniffed the air. It walked into the pine trees. This scared the hell out of me because that patch of pines bordered the whole right area near me. I moved back slowly till I got to the road, proceeding to my friend's house to tell him what I saw. Thanks for listening. Keep up the awesome podcast.
0: Thank you, Collar. The Collar mentioned something that I found quite interesting. He described the cat as tan in color instead of the almost always mentioned black coat. This is interesting in two ways. First, it seems more natural. After all, the mountain lion is tan in color and at one point shared the mountains of New York with its settlers. The second interesting aspect of this tan coat is the fact that it goes against the grain of most other sightings in that area. It seems that a majority of these mystery big cat sightings are of the black variety. So one could argue that the claim of seeing one tan in color might possibly give this encounter some clout. Either way, I find these big cat sightings fascinating probably due in part to my very own sighting in the early 90s. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time. Our next submission is of the written variety. This is Victoria's story. Hello, Derek. I've recently discovered your podcast, and I am fascinated. I thought I'd share with you a weird encounter I had for your show. I apologize for any rambling, but I know you appreciate as much info as possible. So I hope this is of use. I was around 19 years old at the time. It was around July or August. And I was staying at my parents' house for the summer. My father was, at the time, in the military. And they lived in a small cliffside house in Gibraltar. For those that don't know, Gibraltar is a quirky little place on the southern peninsula of Spain. My mom had fallen ill and was promptly sent back to the UK to a specialist hospital for tests. My father went with her for a few days to settle her in then returned back to me in Gibraltar. He had been back maybe two days when this happened. One night I was sleeping in my room, which was across from my parents. I had a double bed, which was pushed against the wall, and I slept on the side furthest from the wall, and slightly under a small window. It was a normal night. The temperature at the time was neither too hot nor too chilly, but slightly windy outside. For some reason, I woke up. I don't remember the time exactly, but it was between the early hours of 3 and 4 a.m., out of nowhere i had this really uneasy feeling that i wasn't alone the feeling came on quite strong i was laying on my back at this point and for some reason i was terrified at the thought of looking to my right at the empty bed space by the wall it felt like i had someone or something laying on the bed by my side like it was just staring at me i didn't even have the courage to reach out and touch the covers to check I've suffered from a bout of sleep paralysis before and I knew that wasn't what was happening. I then quickly grabbed a stuffed teddy bear that was close by and closed my eyes but the feeling just wouldn't go away. I started to panic at this point. I couldn't get myself to even shout out for my dad but remembered something my mom had told me to say if I ever felt like a spirit had overstepped its boundary. I kept my eyes closed and I started saying, you are not welcome here. This is my space and you are scaring me, go away. I repeated this three times. Eventually it felt like whatever it was had gone. Needless to say it freaked me out. I ended up grabbing my book by my bed and I read that with the light on until I dozed off. I decided to mention it to my dad over breakfast later that morning. To my surprise he told me that something odd happened to him. He said that around 4am while he slept something tugged on his right side so much that he jumped up in the mind that it was me trying to wake him. There was nothing in the room and for a minute he thought it was one of our dogs but both were asleep downstairs in the kitchen behind a closed door. He's a rational man so he quickly dismissed this and fell back to sleep. The issue wasn't brought back up after that and nothing has been said ever since, but it has always stuck in my mind. As much as the paranormal intrigues me, I am willing to accept any rational explanations to this odd occurrence. My mother always believed in guardian angels and always told me that they would make themselves known in time of need. I appreciate not everyone thinks this way. Anywho, sorry for the lengthy tale. Feel free to use this as you will. And keep up the great work on the podcast. Until next time, Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. This encounter sounds a lot like sleep paralysis to me. I'll be honest. All the details are there. Waking up to a presence in the room the inability to call out but there is one detail that nearly rules this theory out the fact that the father experienced something similar at the same time as far as I know sleep paralysis is not a shared phenomenon so it is not only Victoria's opinion but mine as well that this was most likely not a case of sleep paralysis but if that's not what caused the events to transpire then what was it perhaps it's something we will never know Thanks again, Victoria, for sharing your experience. We swing over to the Appalachians for our next tale. The following story was submitted anonymously from the state of Kentucky.
3: Hello. Just heard the story about the guy who experienced some possible poltergeists in Season 1, Episode 13. It really reminded me of my experiences as a kid. I live in northern Kentucky, outside the Ohio River Valley. I've had a few strange encounters in my life, but... what I'm going to talk about is probably the most detailed and the strangest. While growing up, I lived in a ranch-style home that was located on a slope. So this made the rear of the home a two-story and had access out of the basement with no steps. There was a wooden deck that was on the second story and had steps down to the ground. I lived in a bedroom in the back of the house and my two older siblings lived in bedrooms in the basement. My earliest memory of strange occurrences was probably when I was in the fourth or fifth grade. In the weeks leading up to this first event we had regularly been finding the basement door to the backyard wide open in the mornings. My older siblings swore they were not sneaking out and that nobody was coming over at night. I'm not convinced that it wasn't happening, but it is odd given what happened in the months after. My brother and I were sitting at the kitchen table doing some homework, but goofing off more than anything. We were laughing about something when I think we both recognized that the other one had heard it too. Footsteps from the basement. Footsteps on the stairs. They got louder and louder as they ascended the stairs, and just when whoever or whatever it was got to the top of the steps, it stopped. At this point, there was no more pretending. I could see the fear in my older brother's eyes. We were home alone, and something was at the top of the basement steps, just waiting. We were frozen in place, just staring at each other, and then we heard a whisper impossible to make out. The best way to describe it would be to say that it was very hush. We immediately ran towards the kitchen away from the basement door, and my brother grabbed a butcher knife. I'm not sure why we didn't leave the house, but we stood there a few more seconds, and the footsteps slowly went back down the stairs. I suppose, in my mind, I remember it being more obvious than it was. That may have been why we didn't leave the house. We both heard something strange and identified it as footsteps and whispers, but we couldn't be 100% sure. Nothing happened the rest of the day. I'm not sure how long it had been since the first event, probably 2 or 3 years, but one night. I was lying in bed, which is at the back of the house, and watching TV. When I decided to go to bed, I turned off my TV and settled in. Not even 30 seconds later, I started hearing a, a handsaw, sawing what sounded like wood. It sounded like it was right outside my window, but on the ground, so one story down. I jumped out of bed, flipped on my lights, and turned my TV back on. I think I waited about 30 minutes before I finally tried to go back to sleep. I turned my lights out and turned off my TV, but turned on the radio. The noise started again almost immediately, so at this point, I ran into my mom's room. I called out to her several times, but she wouldn't wake up. I didn't try to shake her, nor did I really go too far into her room. My stepdad was pretty much a grump, so I guess I was trying to avoid waking him as well. I went back to my room and the noise had stopped. I told my family about this in the next week or so. My brother immediately started talking about something he experienced and my mom hushed him up. But after a few seconds, she reconsidered and they told me. My siblings had both approached my parents about what they had started talking about amongst themselves. They would hear footsteps in the middle of the night in the basement. They originally thought it was my stepdad getting up to work because he couldn't sleep or something, but one night, my brother had his door cracked, heard footsteps, and saw a shadow pass his door. He got up to follow his dad and couldn't find him anywhere in the basement. They also would hear the washer and dryer doors open and slam, the same whispers I had heard with my brothers, and they would hear what they described as someone stumbling and catching themselves. I'm not sure how else to describe that, but I think I get what they are describing. Shortly after, we moved out of the house. I don't think it had anything to do with those experiences, though. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Caller.
0: For some reason, this story reminds me of something that happened to me just two nights ago. I've had the house to myself over the past few days when my fiancé is in Los Angeles filming a commercial. So on Wednesday night, I was working in my shop until about 10pm, and then I came upstairs for the night. As I sat down on the couch, I heard a loud banging sound coming from upstairs. Now upstairs is my bedroom, bathroom, walk-in closet, and an office. But I have cats, so I just assumed that they were up there destroying something. After a few minutes, the banging sounds got louder and louder, and more and more frequent. So I called for my cats, and they came running. The sounds continued. Needless to say, I was a bit freaked. After all, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we have someone going around stealing from different cabins on our street. So being the brave man that I am, I went upstairs only to find that I'd left the bedroom window open, and the strong winds that we had that night were pounding my wooden blinds against the frame of the window, creating a loud banging sound. Needless to say, a very benign thing had me pretty scared for a few minutes. Now of course, I'm not saying that was the case with our caller's story. If anything, it's just the opposite. I can only imagine the fear they had hearing those footsteps approach. It's terrifying stuff thank you again for sharing that story our next call comes to us via a familiar voice the following is Isaac's story from Florida
4: hi Derek this is Isaac from uh, Central Florida again with another story for you uh, I think this is going to be a shorter one um, I've been told that I leave too many details in my stories. Um. So without going too much into the backstory on this one, I was uh, just went up to North Carolina uh, for a temporary stay. Um, I thought about this story because I heard you talk about um, exploding head syndrome, which is something I never heard about until I heard you mention it. And um, there was that one episode where you were talking about sleep paralysis and things like that. I don't know if that's what this was because it's, it was one isolated incident and it's never happened again. But what happened was, it was my very, very first night in North Carolina, I had the first night sleeping in that house, and I laid down to go to sleep that night, and I hadn't even really closed my eyes yet, it was just like right after I closed my eyes, I was laying there and I heard this crazy sound coming from the living room in my left ear, I heard it in my left ear, and it seemed like it was... a a, a distance off but it was a really strange sound and it got louder and louder and louder and I was like someone in the house you know I didn't know if someone was breaking in or what was happening but it got really really loud and it just came upon me and like overwhelmed me and this loud crazy sound is like it went into my head and I was paralyzed for about 10 seconds wild, and with my mouth open, and I couldn't open my eyes, as hard as I tried, I couldn't open them. And this crazy loud sound was just in my head, and then it it went away, and it, when it left, it went out the right ear. So I heard it, it was the left ear first, and then it started creeping up and getting louder and louder. It got so loud, it overwhelmed me and paralyzed me, and then it exited through the right ear and went away. Now, The sound, I can only describe it as a very loud blast of a trumpet. Uh, The first time I ever heard someone blow a shofar, which is a a Jewish um, trumpet, it reminded me of it. I didn't know what I had heard until I heard someone blow a shofar. So it sounded like that, but with voices with it. It was like thousands of whispering voices and... um, you know, I'm not really going to go into my theories of exactly what it was or why it happened, but I just wanted to, you know, just explain basically the facts of what happened. Um, and that was it, man. Um, I don't know if anyone else might have heard that before, but that's what happened. Um, I love the show. Uh, have a great
0: night. Thank you, Isaac. This actually sounds like a classic case of exploding head syndrome. Often, sufferers experience the sound or sounds right before they drift off to sleep. This also seems to be the case with Isaac. It's kind of amazing how the body shuts down certain parts during sleep, which in turn can cause all kinds of things to misfire, resulting in weird sounds, feelings, and even visions. So thank you again, Isaac, for taking the time to share that encounter. I have one last call to share, but before I do, I have this to share. The reviews are flying in, and most seem to be positive. But let's not stop there. If you haven't yet done so, please take a few seconds to give the show five gold stars and a few nice words. The more reviews I get, the more attention I get in iTunes, which brings in new listeners, which brings in new stories to share. It's kind of like the food chain, so don't be a bottom feeder and do your part today. Don't forget, I still have a few pieces of merch up in the store. Pick up a vinyl sticker for your car, computer, trash can, or whatever it is you want to stick it to. These Bigfoot-shaped stickers are the perfect way to let everyone know what your favorite podcast is. So hit up the shop tab at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com, or follow the link in the show notes to get yours today. And as I hinted last week, the show's theme is soon to be a ringtone. Later this week, you can pick that up in the shop for a buck if you're interested. As of now, I only have it for iPhone, but I will be expanding to other phones in coming weeks. If you have a story you'd like to hear played on the show, give the hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can visit the Submit Your Story tab on the website for more email and anonymous submission options. I'd also like to take a moment to thank Charmin M. for their very generous donation. A huge thank you. Also, please remember that you can get additional content by signing up through Patreon. Simply head over to www.patreon.com forward slash Podcast. pledge your four bucks, and get instant access to all the past paid content, as well as any new episodes and new videos that will be coming. And I have two new ones coming in within the next two weeks. A huge thank you to all those Patreon supporters that have already signed up. And lastly, I found a new show I'd like you guys to check out. My buddies Nick and Rob over at Brohio Podcast have put together a great little program, but don't take my word for it.
5: Hi, I'm Nick. And I am Rob, and we are the Brohio Podcast. We cover
0: all of the unknown and much more. Aliens, true crime, famous murders, monsters, paranormal, and everything that goes bumping. We keep it funny, slightly trashy, and sometimes we like to talk about crapping our... Nick, Nick, Nick. We are trying to make a good impression here. Right, right. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps. We drop new episodes every Monday. We are a member of the Bomb Pod Media Network. We'd love to talk to you on Instagram and Twitter, at Brohio Podcast. And the bros of BroHio do appreciate you listening. We will see you on the dark side. Help support a few dudes from my home state. Check them out today. But a little warning, they do use some colorful language. All right, on to that final story. Our last call of the evening comes to us via Ethan in Illinois.
6: Hi Derek, it's Ethan from Rockford again. I called a couple weeks ago with a very late submission for a hometown legend. Um, I'm calling back again about a cemetery, again, but, uh, this time it's about the cemetery that I work at. Um, just to give you a brief description of it, it is fairly large, it's on the outskirts of town, I mean, we're right by the highway, and, uh, it's got a lot of wooded area around it, we got a lot of trees and everything, and nothing really weird has happened until this incident, incident. um... You know, sometimes the radio will change songs or uh, it will put the volume up higher or lower. But other than that, it's not really done anything. So um, this was uh, last summer, I believe. And um, we have, like I said, a lot of trees. And so a guy from my church was cutting these trees down. And I was here by myself. I think the guy I worked with was on vacation. And I had seen that my friend was out there that uh, was cutting up some trees. And he was in the back in this area that we have that's pretty flat. And that's where we dump all of our trees and all of our dirt and all of our limbs from trees. And I went back there, uh, you know, to see him and talk to him and whatever. And, uh, I got back there and said, you know, hi. And we were, we were talking. He's kind of an older guy. And, uh, he, you know, couple minutes into our conversation he said have you ever seen anything freaky out here and I was like well what do you mean he said well I was here last night and I was cutting up some trees and it was right before twilight and he said I, I looked up and there was this thing guy I guess he said in the woods And he pointed and where he pointed was about 300 foot of woods It's not very big but it's heavily, you know, it's got a lot of trees and it's easy to stand behind a tree and you won't see somebody. But he was standing there, and he said, and he was big and he had black robes on him and he had a hood that came up into a really tall point. And he said he stared at me what it felt like for, you know, 20 minutes, but it was more like 30 seconds. He said, and then he didn't turn around or nothing. He just walked backwards. He said, I threw my equipment in the truck and I got in the truck and left and I won't be here anymore close to dark like that, working like that. And uh, so I, being the brave soul that I am and always interested in this stuff, started to look for it. And a couple days go by and I couldn't I couldn't seem to find it. So I forget about it and it's about three weeks later and I'm out in the back dumping out some sticks out of the back of our dump truck. And I look up and I see what my friend had saw. It was a big guy. He's, I say about seven, at least over seven foot and, uh, fully robed, um, black, black robes. Uh, I don't, uh, know really how to describe Well, if you've seen American horror story covenant, they have a few of those figures in the opening song, or I know this is kind of bad to say, but, uh, he looked like a KKK member, but instead of white robes, it was all black robes, and there were no eye holes. Um, he was big, and I kind of stared at him for about 20 seconds, and he started to walk backwards into the wooded area. And like I said, I'm a brave soul. I, I like the grappling arts, wrestling, and things like that, and so I'm a pretty big guy myself, so I took off after him because it wasn't a shadow figure. I wanna, I wanna stress that, it wasn't a shadow figure. I couldn't like see through him. He wasn't in darker than it seemed. It was a physical being. And so I took off after it and it, it took me about 30 seconds to get over there and there was nothing there. There was nothing. And I, I kind of got a little freaked out, but I was like, what, you know? And I really have no explanation I'll tell you this, I've been back there, you know, like I said, this is last summer, and every once in a while I'll catch movement out of the corner of my eye, and I'll look, and it looks like something has just gone behind the tree, but every time I go check it out, there's nothing there. And the really, really scary part is behind that 300 foot of woods is a baseball diamond that children, Little League is done in the summertime. So, um, like I said, I don't really know what it was, if anybody has any idea. um, I don't know a person that can move that fast. I mean, I have a friend that runs track, and, um, I mean, his best time, he got into college for it, and his best time, you know, that is not even that fast, and he's a runner. And this guy's huge that I saw. Again, I want to stress one more time, it was not a shadow person. It wasn't a darker than what was around it Figure It was physical. It looked like a person. Now, I, uh, again, I'm in close to Chicago, and I know that there has been uh, satanic worship in some of the older cemeteries in Chicago. I've read about that online and saw that on the news. And um, so I don't know if that's what's going on. But like I said, there's a baseball diamond back there. And if that's what's going on, that's even more scary. I, I've wondered if I should have alerted the police, but um, you know, I don't want to sound crazy. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's, that's this story. I got a, I got a few more. My wife has got a couple stories uh, that we're going to call back in with later, but uh, I, I want to thank you so much for this format that you give where people can come on and, you know, say their stories and not sound crazy. You know, we, we're kind of a community and we don't sound insane for saying these stories. And uh, uh, I'm always excited when it's, I look in my box and see that you have a new episode. I listen to it right away. It's usually the first podcast I listen to when I get a new set. So um, I, I really enjoy it. Keep up the good work. Thank you for all that you do. Have a
0: good day. Bye. Thank you, Ethan. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty spooky. Let's start the analysis with logical explanations. The description sounds a lot like that of the Grim Reaper, a figure I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with. Is it possible that someone simply dressed up as the Reaper as part of some sort of tasteless joke? If so, how does that explain the entity's ability to run away so quickly? I remember seeing a video a while back of a man that turned his drone into a flying Grim Reaper and chased people around with it. However, this Reaper was at most a few feet tall and the noise of the drone was unmistakable. So I'm thinking that theory is probably out. This story does remind me of a particular entity half a world away in the United Kingdom. Of course I'm speaking of the Highgate Vampire. Now you're probably wondering what a vampire has to do with a hooded figure in Illinois. Well. Take a listen to this clip, and I think you'll catch the connection.
5: Number 1. Highgate Cemetery in London. Located in North London, Highgate Cemetery was opened in 1839 and is the resting place for over 170,000 people. Its grounds contain countless elaborate tombs and catacombs, and several famous individuals are buried there, including Karl Marx. With so many people buried in its grounds, it's become well known for several high-profile hauntings and many visitors to the cemetery have reported feeling unseen touches, seeing ghostly apparitions, and hearing strange sounds emanating from its historic mausoleums. Rumours about satanic cults meeting under cover of darkness deep within the graveyard have been circulating for decades, and these cults have been linked to one of the most well-known hauntings associated with the area, that of the Highgate Vampire. There have been multiple sightings which tend to describe the vampire as very tall, sometimes over 7 feet, with dark features and piercing eyes. According to the rumors, the Highgate vampire was a medieval nobleman who had been a practitioner of black magic in Romania and whose body had been transported to England in a coffin sometime in the 18th century. He was buried on the grounds of Highgate Cemetery where he slumbered for decades until he was awoken by the satanic cults who were believed to be active within the graveyard. Disturbingly, there have been several reports of dead foxes, along with other animals, who seem to have been killed by wounds to the throat and were drained of their blood. Accounts of vampire attacks reached fever pitch in the 1960s, and bizarrely the cemetery was home to several widely publicized vampire hunts, where crowds of people climbed the graveyard's gates and scoured its grounds, looking for the vampire with wooden stakes in hand. However, nothing was ever found, and the tales of the Highgate vampire were seen as an elaborate hoax by many skeptics. Another commonly reported sight is that of an insane grey-haired old woman who is usually said to be running amongst the gravestones, searching for her children, whom she is widely believed to have murdered in a bout of insanity. The floating ghost of a nun, a red-eyed phantom, and a pointed-eared spirit with glowing eyes known as Spring-Heeled Jack, also feature widely in eyewitness accounts of strange goings-on at the cemetery. Such a huge number of sightings has made Highgate Cemetery a popular tourist destination, and the number of sightings within its grounds shows no signs of slowing down.
0: That clip comes courtesy of Unknown 5. Of course, the portion of the clip that we are most interested in is the mention of a 7-foot tall hooded figure. Reports of this entity have flooded in for decades, although I should point out that on occasion he's seen wearing a cape and a hat but ultimately the two descriptions are relatively similar. But the fun doesn't stop there. I also managed to dig up the following mention in an article from supernaturalmagazine.com. Perhaps the most likely place to spot the cemetery's best known resident ghost, or ghosts, is at the north gate near the top of the lane. It was here in 1969 that David Ferrant encountered a tall dark figure, over seven foot tall and swathed in black, hovering above the path inside the gate. It was this sighting which capulated Highgate into the international press. However, it was certainly not the first of its kind. While descriptions of this entity vary, it chiefly appears to manifest as a cowled, practically faceless form with glinting eyes, or as a tall man dressed in a long coat or cape and wearing a high hat. Only one known witness claimed to have encountered it in both incarnations, if in fact these entities are one and the same. A gardener working in the cemetery in 1962 was paralyzed with fear when he and a colleague saw a hooded figure rising above the cemetery wall, apparently staring intently at them. In 1968, whilst returning home in Swain's Lane, the witness again encountered a tall targ figure, this time standing a short distance inside Northgate and wearing what he took to be a top hat. Upon being noticed, it seemed to fade into the patch of mist which surrounded it. In 2005, Martin Trent, a local man, had one of the closest sightings of the entity in modern times, and even heard it speak. As Martin descended the lane one August night approaching 12 a.m., he became aware of a strangely dressed man in a great coat standing opposite the main gate. By the time Martin, in his shorts and t-shirt, passed the top-hatted stranger, he had become acutely uncomfortable, and was disturbed when the man, who was around 12 foot away from him, seemed to whisper directly in his ear, Good evening to you, sir. Hurrying past him, Martin looked back up the lane when he reached his turning, and by now could see that the figure was standing in front of the main gate. As he watched, the entity seemed to glide across the road, disappearing in the direction of the East Cemetery. A link to that full article can be found in tonight's show notes, and I highly suggest you take a look. Now, I'm obviously not saying that the Highgate Vampire is lurking in Ethan's Cemetery. I'm not even claiming that it's a vampire. But there is precedent. There are similar reports, and while that does not prove anything, it does support Ethan's claims a bit. So thank you again, Ethan, for taking the time to share. And please, be sure to call back if you or anyone else in that area happens to witness this entity again. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Warren Pond Abbott. Any audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Music from this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.
1: You had to travel far to savor the Pad Thai of Bangkok or to taste the pastries of Paris? Take another look. With two times total points at grocery stores, your same kitchen can come with more cuisines. Sapphire Preferred from Chase. Make more of what's yours.
5: Valorant up to $1,000 in purchases per month from November 1st, 2020 to April 30th, 2021. Accounts subject to credit approval. Cards issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC.
1: It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus To start the ignition To feel confident To be connected to everything It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle But it becomes a dynamic experience The invitation to Lexus sales event Your invitation is always open But the offers only last through March 31st Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer Click the banner to discover more